Welcome back to the Clemson podcast. It is Tuesday, January 3rd. Clemson has given new meaning to the O in Ohio, while yet another Clemson opponent adopts the never again motto. Lane Kiffin found a way to get fired from a job he already quit, and life is good. Ben and Cody here with you today, guys, to recap Clemson's utter dismantling of the Ohio State Buckeyes 31 to nothing on the same turf where they lost the national championship game last year to Alabama. This sets up a rematch in Tampa on Monday against the same Alabama team as Clemson looks to exact revenge for that loss. And folks, as the resident Clemson homer here, who's currently winning the podcast prediction challenge, by the way, the fellas seriously considered letting me come on here solo today and just gush over that victory in the Fiesta Bowl Saturday night. But out of respect for our listeners, we decided, Cody, you should come on as well to add some perspective and substance to this episode. Um we said it after the loss last year. Uh, we said it heading into the season, and we said it throughout the season. We won Alabama. Well, we got them, and we got them in spectacular fashion. Well said, Ben. I think I think both of us are going to be pumping some sunshine this morning, uh, as much as we can at six in the morning. Well, let's not hesitate. Let's get right into it again. As I said, Clemson beat Ohio State thirty-one to nothing. It's the first time Ohio State has been shut out since. Uh, the early 90s, first time an Urban Meyer team has ever been shut out. Uh, the first team to score over 30 on Ohio State all season long. And so far, Ohio State is the only team to be shut out this bowl season. Like, again, just a, a phenomenal win. It's one, you know, heading into the game, just because we had been there before last year, uh, people were asking me if I felt nervous. And and this year I didn't because I, I knew that we belonged. And I felt like we belonged. Um, again, in part because we had been there before and just because I know how good this football team is. Did I expect them to go out and, and blow Ohio State out of the water and, and you know put up a goose egg? No, I didn't. But uh, it also kind of doesn't surprise me. Well, I, I was definitely nervous. What I saw on film from Ohio State was their, their athleticism at, at every level of their defense. And I think that really shined through in this game. But on their offense, I knew – they ran the ball, and they did it. Um, they did it over and over, militantly, if you will. Um, it's and almost to the point where, like, they would they would completely disregard their passing game. I knew our best strength on defense was that we could stop their run. Um, I had no idea that they we could do it so well and and make them so one dimensional, doing the thing that they don't do well, which is pass the ball. Um, it was the the perfect storm of of so many things going right. Um, but yeah, it. I was, unlike you, I was a bit nervous and um, it, no reason to be after I, uh, after the third quarter, I guess you could say. Well, even early on in the game, um, you could tell the Clemson defense had an edge and it was going to be hard for Ohio State to move the ball. On the offensive side of the ball, you know, Clemson maybe gets off a little bit shaky there and you see this Ohio State defense and you're like, okay, yeah, they are going to be the best defense we played all year. And, you know, ultimately at the end of the game, I still think they're the best defense we've played all year. But ultimately, with their offense having the inability to get anything going, it just wore that defensive d- down. And no matter how good they are, you know, Clemson also has one of the best offenses in the country, led by the best player in the country. Right. And, it got, you know, we'll talk about Deshaun Watson. First, let me say, um, 
I think I told you after the game, and I think we were we were all celebrating. There might have been a little bit of hyperbole, but I said that this is the best Clemson win I've seen um, up to this point. And, and granted, little it'll it'll mean little if we're unable to seal the deal in Tampa on Monday. But would you agree? Um, I mean, maybe comparing it only to the the Orange Bowl from last year. But is this the biggest Clemson win you've seen? Uh, I guess in your lifetime. Uh, yeah, I would say so, and I think. Uh mainly because the stakes are set so high in this game. Obviously, a trip to the national championship game is what's on the line. You know, it's one thing to to beat an inferior South Carolina team uh, the way we did earlier this year, um, and or to beat a Syracuse team, or to beat the Miami team uh, like we did last year, uh, just because the stakes aren't as high in that game, and the opponent is presumably um, better uh, than those other teams, although they certainly didn't look like it on Saturday night. So... I think, yeah, because the stakes are set so high and just the way Clemson just went out and absolutely dominated on really both sides of the ball. You know, the only thing that was lacking for me a little bit was getting a run game going up the middle. But it, but again, at the end of the day, it was a very good defense we were playing. And, you know, over the course of the game, they began to wear, wear them down. And, yeah, so I would absolutely say so. Like, just such a dominating performance over a coach who does not get dominated that often. Exactly. I think it comes down to Urban Meyer, the legend that is Urban Meyer, and giving him time to prepare. And and, and make no mistake, uh, there's there's two teams that recruit at a level that's above and beyond everyone else in college football, and that's Alabama. They're number one. Ohio State is number two. And I, you could say maybe Florida State is, is right there with Ohio State. But the point is they have talent all over the field. Uh, they came in, I think, S&P number two. Uh, their offense, even though it looked very one-dimensional, it looked like maybe average, and it looked like Jadar Johnson's words of JT Barrett being uh, not the best quarterback really rang true. But they, during the season, they were averaging, I believe, uh, over five yards per carry, um, and almost an elite, elite running game, um, and they, which they, they could really lean on and you know not really go to their pass only when they needed to. Um, this was a really, really good team. And we'll, again, we'll talk a little bit about their defense. But in my opinion, it, I, I tend to agree with you as well. I think the, I think it's the best defense we've seen. And the only reason, you know, we we, we had we had the ball uh, so much longer than they did and wore them down uh, throughout the course of the game. So that that's why we put up some numbers. But um, you know, good news from the the step uh, the drop off from uh, Alabama to Ohio State in terms of defense. There's not really that big of one. Uh, they're very they're very similar. In terms of athleticism, uh, strength on, along the line, and uh, and speed at the back end. Yeah, and a, a lot of people are going to be quick to point out how young this Ohio State team is, and maybe that they were a year ahead of schedule. But you know, I, I pointed this out in our preview episode of uh, for this game that Clemson has just about the same amount of freshmen and sophomores uh, on their two deep um, as this Ohio State team. So it's not just you know, Clemson has been recruiting better, and they have been going toe-to-toe with a lot of these uh, top-notch uh, recruits, but they've also been developing. I mean, there's always a guy in the wing. I mean, just look at Cleveland Farrell. I mean, this is a guy second year in the program. He's a redshirt freshman. And for him to come on the way he did, you know, leading into the game as well, I thought he was going to be my impact player of the game, uh, given the fact, uh, you know, we saw some double teams against Christian Wilkins on that right side uh, to make up uh, for uh, their uh, right tackle uh prince who has been struggling here at the end of the year um and farrell just had a monster game uh so but again a, a redshirt freshman so don't don't tell me that clemson isn't young as well because they are and 
just watching this team play, you know, I know we're going to lose Deshaun Watson next year and, and a bunch of other guys who are huge impact performers on this football team, but <laughs> we got a lot of guys returning. We got a lot of talent coming in. Like this is looking to set up to be a sustained run uh, for Clemson. This isn't just a flash in the pan two years in a row. This, you know, this is going to go on for a while. Right. The thing that you could talk about their youth and, and, and sure there's a lot of young guys their first time there. Um, but the reason that Ohio State lost this game is because of their offense. It's because they we we were able to make them so one-dimensional. And that really, I mean, that falls on JT Barrett and his inability to pass and his inability as a, as a pocket passer or to show any semblance of a, uh, you know, downfield passing game. And that has nothing to do with any of the, the underclassmen. Uh, it had everything to do with JT Barrett. And uh, as you say, like built for the future, well, it, it started along our defensive line, and it's, it's amazing how – and those guys were having such a good time. It, it, we talked about pregame, them coming out in the first quarter and then running out of gas like after that. They come out in the first quarter, they got all the adrenaline, they make tackles for loss, they make sacks, but then you know, slowly but surely they start to fade a bit. They become half a step slower, and then the defense adjusts. Well, in this game, they played you know, all, all four quarters – Lots of energy. Um, credit to Brent Venables. He was rotating the guys a lot um, so to keep them fresh. And, when, you know, the great news is from Dexter Lawrence to Scott Pagano, um, from Cleveland Farrell to Austin Bryant or Christian Wilkins to Austin Bryant, and even Jurgen uh, at some points, there wasn't much of a drop-off. Hell, even at the end, Albert Huggins was wreaking havoc uh, in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Well, and, and here's the thing, and let's talk about the, the difference here real quick between, you know, this year heading into next year and the past several seasons. You know, over the past few years, Clemson has had dominant defensive lines, and every year, like three of them, three or four of them go to the NFL, and they wipe the slate clean, and they start over, and they've come back and been as dom dominant. The exciting thing now is that all these guys, except for Carlos Watkins, are going to come back next year. Maybe Scott Pagano decides to go pro. I really doubt it, um, just because he doesn't get as much playing time. Um, but we get all these guys back again next year. Exactly. And that's why, I mean, it's going to come down to the quarterback next year. We're not here to talk about 2017, but um, it's a bunch of, it's a salty, salty group. And I think they just uh, established themselves um, as probably our best line in the Venables era, the best D-line. I mean, you could... You can make an argument for 15 and 14, uh, but I like this group as, as a whole. And uh, I think they're just from, from one to four, regardless of who's in there, I feel like it is it, it's just a tremendous group. And I think even adding Dexter Lawrence uh, it gives them an extra punch, just a, a physical specimen. Uh, Christian Wilkins being able to move him about. Uh, it's the best group I've seen. They're all back next year, except for Carlos Watkins. Um, who like you know huge loss because he's taken his game to a whole new level this year, um, yeah. And it, you go but you go to the the linebacking core. I mean, I'm not talking about next year, but just this year. Uh, ben Bulware is playing out of his mind. Um, his his deficiencies and you know maybe getting caught up in and in, in covering a slot receiver. You know those aside, uh, he he doesn't miss his assignments. He's always in the gap he's supposed to be. Uh, always playing on hard on every play. Uh, which matters a lot in this system. And, and hey, it was great having Dorian O'Daniel in there as well. Uh, for the system, Absolutely. For the system Ohio State ran, uh, it, it was great. A lot of option concepts, very similar to Georgia Tech in, in some ways. And it's very good to have a guy like Dorian O'Daniel in there. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll say this one thing here before we, uh, we, we move in deeper into this and uh, let you give a Tiger Net plug. Uh, 
But Dabo Sweeney has now won a bowl game over a school um, whose coach has won a national championship with that school now for five years in a row. He started with Les Miles in 12, got Urban Meyer in 13, Bob Stoops in 14, and again in 15, and now Urban Meyer again here in, two, in 2016. Um, he's the only coach in the history of college football to accomplish something less like that. So, you know, this is an elite program. Uh, the, the facts speak for themselves. Now let's see if they can go and get one, um, one more over Nick Saban and Alabama. Uh, so Cody, uh, again, Clemson heading to the national championship game. Tiger Nets got some good deals. Tell us about them. Yeah, well, for one, I get, we're looking for tickets. Uh, you, know, you and I are going to the game. Uh, they're they're ex- extremely high price right now. Uh, we hope to see those come down. Um, if anybody has any suggestions, please, you know, respond, uh, to the tiger net boards or, or wherever, you know, Twitter, uh, Facebook, wherever you can find us. We'd be interested to know if you have any, uh, if you're finding prices any better than we are, but, uh, but definitely check out the tiger nets ticket section. I think as game time, uh, nears the, the ticket prices will start to fall. There will be more on the market. Some people probably won't make the trip. Others will probably be too inebriated from the night before once they get there, and they'll probably sell their ticket. Um, uh, all jokes aside, though, I think I think that, that check check out TigerNet because it's going to be a Clemson fan selling to another Clemson fan there, and uh, and and on top of that, just check out their coverage as well because um, suck it you know, soak it all up as much as you can. Um, we might not be back; it might not happen again. So in, enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah, so shameless uh, request there from us. Uh, <laughs> if you have extra tickets, we'd love to buy them off of you. Uh, Clemsonpodcast at gmail.com. Um, so there you have it. <laughs> um, so, Cody, let's uh, let's stick with the Clemson defense here. Um, you know, they were the big story of the game, uh, you know, putting up um, the, the shutout against Ohio State. You talked about making them one-dimensional. Um, well, we stopped the run. You know, they only had 88 yards where they were averaging over 200, uh, close to 250 uh, all season long. And, and we really made them force them to pass the ball. I would even argue that they were zero-dimensional in this game because they really didn't get a passing game going either. Right. It was it was a masterpiece by Venables. And it, for me, it was the perfect combination of, of not just uh, s- scheme and, and, and knowing that we can stop their run, take the head off the snake, cut the head off the snake, but also execution because uh, you could just see the preparation uh, that they must have put forth to do all the things that they were doing. Uh, Venables getting his play calls in against a team that likes to run pace. Um, just, just an incredible effort. And uh, I think it goes, it really goes to Venables and how, how, how well prepared and, and, and this defense that is, is better than it, it showed at times this year. Uh, if the offense will keep them off the field, um, they can be elite. They can be top five, in my opinion, and um, just just a masterpiece. And what I saw from Venables, he was doing a lot of stunts, a lot of twists, um, getting guys uh, on the line to, to move you know move their gaps. Um, lots of blitzes, delayed blitzes, um, pulling Cleveland Farrell and Austin Bryant back into like a three-four kind of an outside linebacker. Um, just giving them so many different looks. They really they couldn't find any continuity anything that they could go to um just a tremendous effort uh, i don't know what else to say I just it, it, it clearly they put a lot of preparation in and clearly it paid off yeah and i'm like you i was super impressed by the scheme you know there were several times on a pass rush i'd actually see cleveland farrell uh sneak up up the middle um at times uh with the with the stunts they were pulling and then also you did see them draw back into coverage a little bit on um, us farrell and uh austin bryant 
uh, you know, uh, dropping back there a few times. So yeah, I think the scheme was uh, fantastic. You know, that that's the result of having a month to prepare for a team like that, a team that is for the most part, one dimensional on offense. If you know, they're going to run the ball um, and you have the studs that we do up front, you give them the right scheme and it is going to be tough on an offense like that to move the ball. I mean, the amazing thing to me was for a team that um, is, is known for running the football that they only rushed the ball 23 times all day. And, and Barrett led all rushers with 11 uh, and then a wide receiver was second. Samuel was six. And then Weber only had five rushes all game long. And it was shocking to me. I went back and watched the replay, how long it took for them to give him a handoff, considering it's not like Clemson was pulling away in this game early. It was a close game early, and they could have um, tried to stick to the run. But, I mean, to not even get Weber, I don't. it, it might have been the third series before he got a handoff in this football game. Right. And I mean, if you watch them on film in any game, they they relentlessly go with the run uh, and they and they don't stop and and, and they, they were quick to cut it off. And I think it's even it's garnered some criticism from Ohio State fans a little upset that they didn't go to Weber and they didn't stick with the run. But um, I don't necessarily think that's a bad call on Urban Meyer's part. I, I think they they couldn't do anything against the run. I, they, it, I mean, especially. Uh, the way we were blowing up gaps, they had an injured uh, offensive lineman. Uh, they had another offensive lineman that wasn't injured that was just not very not very good. Um, th- there was not much they could do. Um, and and w- what's crazy, like I watched Michigan, and they had success against Ohio State. And I think that the key thing for us is our, our, our defensive linemen are a little bit better and that if you can get past a guy and blow, blow them up in the backfield, there's not much, not much you can do. Um, give credit to guys like Dorian O'Daniel, Ben Boware, Kendall Joseph, and the whole linebacking core who were getting off their blocks. A big, a big part of what they do on the perimeter uh, is Ohio State. That is, is, is they they do a lot of edge blocking, and you you saw guys knowing their assignment, going to the guy that they're supposed to, getting off blocks when they needed to, and it just uh, just one of those one of those games that gives you just gives you a rush of adrenaline watching watching Clemson play. It's it, it was it was tremendous. Well, yeah, you knew that they were pretty much going to bring the house every time they came. I mean, with with the inability to get the run game going, <clears throat> you know, Barrett had no more time back there uh, dropping back to pass. He was uh, hurried all game long. Um, three sacks, 11 tackles for losses, and there was three balls batted down at the line. So he was it was just an uphill battle that he was facing all game long, you know, just up front. Uh, from the front four and then from the linebackers bringing pressure. It was just too much for Ohio State to overcome. And they, their youth and, and experience really showed on that side of the ball. And Clemson's, and I'm not going to even say experience because there's a lot of young guys on their defensive line and on the defensive side of the ball, but the, uh, the talent and the, uh, the physical dominance that they showed um, was just absolutely amazing for me, especially when you're playing a team like Ohio State. It's not like we're playing a Syracuse or a Wake Forest or a Troy, you know. I mean, these are top-notch recruits that are going up against each other, but Clemson's dominance just showed through. And, you know, everybody talked about Ohio State maybe being one year away. I don't know. They've, they've got a lot more work to do on this offense and with the personnel that they have there if they're going to find themselves back in, in this position next year. Right, and I mean, a lot of their guys will go to the NFL. A lot of their guys, like uh, Malik Hooker, you know, their safety already announced, uh, and he's he had one good redshirt sophomore year. Well, that was enough to make him first a first round pick. So uh, he's off to the league. Uh, 
yeah, as you said, going to the defensive line, I mean, the, I don't think Ohio State had seen a team all year. You know, they had seen some physical teams in the trenches, sure, but our, you know, our guys are big, but they can move fast, uh, particularly at uh, defensive tackle, uh, guys like Carlos Watkins, Dexter Lawrence. Um, it's just something you can't, you can't really plan for. You can't simulate it in practice, uh, and it, it's tough, especially when you have an injured offensive lineman and, uh, and another guy that's that you know can't really keep anybody in front of him. So um, and, and one other uh, point on on Venables and what he was doing schematically, he was dropping you know as we said going into like a three four sets, dropping Farrell or dropping Austin Bryant back, and he would give them the look of a blitz. Uh, he would pull the linebackers up, and every play was different. But what he ended up doing is dropping back into his zone when they when they sensed the pass was coming and. Uh, Every play, uh, Barrett was looking at something different. He had no idea what to what to expect. It threw him out of his game. Uh, you could just see the, the confidence wasn't there with him. And not to mention, on a lot of the passes that he made, he was getting hit as he was falling down. So that's credit to the guys getting to him, getting a pass rush. Um, it, again, tremendous all-round effort. And uh, Venables, man, you talk about Urban Meyer having four weeks to prepare. Well, Venables give him that much time to prepare and, and give him the right the right pieces, and he can make something special happen. Are you <clears> – was it curious to you or were you questioning – are you a little bit surprised, I guess, that Ohio State didn't try to go downfield more in the passing game to make something big happen? You know, we saw those back-to-back interference calls on Marcus Edmond and Mark Fields um catching up on some deep balls where they where the receiver got behind them and we've seen that be an issue all year long um with you know Clemson you guys in secondary just not keeping up with our receivers and getting, getting flags called on them so you know and prior to those two there was a previous one uh where the wide receiver got behind on the defense too the ball is just overthrown so you know I'm surprised that they weren't attacking more um I'm not sure if Alabama is just because of, they do have a freshman at quarterback um but I would say the weakness of this Clemson football team, if you know, if you can withstand the pass rush, uh, throwing the ball deep to these guys in the secondary, they just don't seem to have the instinct uh, for when to turn and look for the ball. No, agreed. I think it was during the second uh, second half when the game was. I can't remember if it was twenty four nothing or if it was just seventeen, but the game was. Uh, I won't say it was in hand at that point, but. Uh, we felt a little bit comfortable. I think we were selling out a little bit. They hadn't shown that they were going to go downfield all game. Finally, they did. And uh, at that point, it, you know, they were taking a few shots. And I think we were content by that time to just to just take the penalty and, uh, you know, t- take what would be a 30-yard pass into a 15-yard pass. But, um, but no, that, that really could be an issue. I think they will take a few downfield shots. They will try to find a little bit more balance. When I, when I say they, I mean Alabama. And uh, – yeah, there's, it's been an issue all year. I think we'll be a little bit more prepared for it. Um, I, I just think in that case, we were just okay to, to put our hands on the guy, take the 15-yard penalty. But, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely a little surprised they didn't go to that earlier. But uh, it, it, the downs being so precious and, you know, their first downs not resulting in the five or six-yard gains they were used to, well, they didn't – I don't think they wanted to take any, any shots downfield to waste a, a precious down. Well, that may be the case, but whatever else they were trying to do wasn't working for him. Um, yeah, you know, if I'm Steve Sarkeesian, who's going to be uh, running the offense for Alabama in the national championship game, that's one of the areas I look at as a weak point in the Clemson defense. Um, again, we've seen it all year long. You're, you're not going to beat Clemson on the line, like especially these guys now that they're rested, they're healthy, everybody's back fresh. Um, 
They've got one more game to play this year. There's going to be no let up on that defensive line for Clemson and into the linebackers. So, yeah, if I'm Sarkeesian, I'm looking into that secondary to see if I can get some uh, some guys open, get some pass interference calls, and and look at that as one way to move the ball down the field against this Clemson defense. Because honestly, Alabama doesn't have the best offense in the world, and that was showcased in their game against uh, Washington on Saturday. So, if you're a, if you're a Clemson football fan, you got to be feeling really good about how Clemson's defense matches up against. Uh, Alabama, considering how they played here against Ohio State. Um, so let's uh, let's wrap it up for the defense here again. Just an absolutely dominating performance. It's you know one of my favorite things as a Clemson fan, and I remember this from uh, you know starting watching in the early '90s. Um, is is awesome as it is to have such an exciting, exhilarating, um, high powered, high octane offense. A really really great. Clemson defense is one of my favorite things uh, to see out there on the football field. So the fact that we're back and we're one of the most dominating defenses in the country is really refreshing. And it's just makes me really excited to watch this football team play. Yeah. I think it's great when you can lean on the defense. Um, It's great. I think this team is the most complete team we've seen um, when you talk about offense, defense, and even special teams, which wasn't great, but um, when you can lean on the defense for, for field position to get stops and for me, the bright the bright spot or the thing that I'm, I guess I, I think it bodes well for us against Alabama is against a lot of the they, a lot of the things they do with zone reads. Um, they don't like to do a ton of misdirection uh, like like Ohio State, but they do a lot of um, RPOs, run pass options, uh, a lot of zone reads, which which I think we defend really well. We've proven that we do it again do well against Georgia Tech. Obviously, we did a, a great job against Ohio State. Um, if they can't find some balance in their pass and run game, that that's definitely favorable for us. But um, anyway, uh, we'll talk more about uh, Alabama. We'll have a preview coming up for that. Uh, let's Ben. Let's switch it to the offense. Um, Deshaun Watson. The stat line doesn't read um, doesn't read like wow, that's a great game. But he, it was in my opinion, it was one of the best games he's played all year, if not the best. Uh, what did you see from Deshaun? Um, well, I saw a player who was head and shoulders better than Lamar Jackson, the Heisman Trophy winner this year. And I, I think the nation saw that on Saturday night uh, and also uh, pair that with Jackson's performance against LSU, where they put up a whopping nine points. Um, and I think the world's going to see that on Monday uh, when when Deshaun Watson gets another crack at Alabama. You know, listen, this, uh, this Clemson offense put up 470 yards uh, against the best D that they've seen all year to this point. And like you mentioned, it's it's a favorable comparison to Alabama's defense. And I know Alabama has a really fantastic defense, and it's going to be the best defense ultimately that we've seen all year and the best defense we've seen in the past two years. It's better than the defense they had last year. But you know what? This Clemson offense is really good. Yeah, they're not going to put up probably again into the 40s, uh, 40 on Alabama's D this year. But I think it's going to be a different type of game, and I still think this offense is very capable of, of moving the ball. And one of the reasons that I'm uh, really uh, positive about that is I was encouraged by the game planning coming into this one. You know, you, you asked me about Watson. We talked uh, leading into this game about whether or not they were going to intentionally involve him in the running game early on or if they were going to hold that to see if they needed it. Well, from the get-go, you can tell that it was part of the game plan for him to run the ball, and he did. Um, you know, that 33-yard run he had was a thing of absolute beauty, the way he glided around the field there. So that was a huge impact in that game, and, and that's something that's going to be a difference maker, I think, uh, in the Alabama game. 
Yeah, when you, when you talk about um, what he was doing, how they were using him, they, yeah, like you said, they were, we were quick to show that Deshaun was going to be running in this game. Um, th- there were some new wrinkles, and I, I think I, you know, our running game looked it, it wasn't great through like the A gap uh, or the uh, up the middle. There wasn't much Ohio State was giving us there. Uh, we, early on, early on, early yeah, early on. So we look we looked quickly to the outside, and and Tony Elliott, I think, just a tremendous job and. And make no mistake, he's gotten a little bit of criticism this year in terms of adjustments or not adding enough wrinkles. Um, but I think a lot of it had to do with just guys being focused um, on blocking, perimeter blocking, wide receivers, Jordan Leggett, um, really blocking through the whistle, um, making plays. A lot of times when you're running those uh, jet sweeps or you're, you're throwing a screen pass, the difference between a 10-yard gain and a tackle for a loss is just – getting a hat on a hat, and I think you saw that from Artavis Scott. You saw from Mike Williams, Deion Kane making a nice assist for Ray Ray at one, at one point. Um, so total team effort. For me, it's uh, you, you wonder why we haven't seen it necessarily all year. Uh, and I, I can't say, uh, you know, it's maybe it's tough to get motivated and prepared, but they, they were certainly up for this game. And um, it, it was execution, too. Deshaun Watson was – it wasn't just um, the, the things that Tony Elliott called, but it was also his ability to read the defense on zone reads, on those little those little um, handoffs to Dwayne Gallman, like he, where he had the option of running as well. Um, just a, a tremendous game. If, if you were really watching him, you saw he made a lot of decisions that um, that helped the offense that had nothing to do with like a play call. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, Jordan Leggett had more blocks than he had catches in this game, so it really was a, an all-around effort. Um, from this uh, from this offense, and again, you mentioned Tony Elliott. What a fantastic job with the play calling when things weren't going uh, their way up the middle early on with Gallman running, getting him to the outside on some of those tosses um, and putting him in space, and then the line uh, or sorry, the wide receivers doing their job and blocking. Um, that's what this team needed. That's what the game dictated, and they they had that prepared going in. I think it was obvious that they had a backup game plan if they weren't able to find anything up the middle that they were going to go to this and it, it worked beautifully. Um, you know, that touchdown run by Gallman, uh, uh, the misdirection, like that was absolutely, I mean, what a fantastic play call. And then getting Ray Ray involved in this game, you know, he hadn't been playing a lot more towards the end of the year, but getting him involved in, in, in the game plan was a, was a thing of beauty because that's again, just another guy that you have to account for. And I guarantee you, they're not necessarily preparing for Ray Ray McLeod. Um, in bowl practice. There's so many other weapons on this Clemson team they have to focus on. So to be able to throw Ray Ray in there, which is a guy that I think uh, it probably made a lot of difference for him to have an extra three weeks of bowl practice. Um, So, you know, again, all around, I think great job by Tony Elliott. I hope that him and Jeff Scott are able to keep that up heading into the Alabama game. Yeah, it was, it was a number of things. And I think, like you said, we, we couldn't establish anything, uh, up the middle, so we started looking to the outside with Ray Ray, a little bit of our Artavis, um, Hunter Renfro, man, in that first, I believe it was the first quarter, um, being able to find him in the slot, uh, and he's so reliable, it, it, it's amazing, and, and give Deshaun Watson a lot of credit too, uh, when they when they went to uh, four wide receiver sets, uh, they they he would quickly he could quickly sense the blitz, and when he noticed it was the the outside linebacker. Uh, or the strong side linebacker that was uh, that was defending Hunter Renfro, he 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 sniffed that out quickly and and he would hit him uh, for that little just over the middle pass um, and that's Deshaun Watson that's an NFL read and um, that 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 does bode well when you think about Alabama because they're going to be doing a lot of similar things 
uh, Mike Williams, being able to find him on slant passes um, early on. Like you, you just you can't defend that. And make no mistake, Ohio State has a tremendous defense, and they had their fair share of wins in this one. You know, you don't see them thirty-one nothing. It looks like we just had our way with them, but we really didn't. Um, they're they're uh, defensive linemen. Maybe not as big and as imposing as Alabama's, but but uh, but still NFL players and and very quick. I think uh, I think their secondary, Ohio State secondary, the length and athleticism, probably better than Bama. So the fact that you can continually go to Mike Williams and, and know that you can find him, uh, that that bodes well for us. Well, yeah, and Raekwon McMillan, man, what a stud! Maybe the best guy on defense that we're going to face all year. He played phenomenal in this game. He had 15 tackles, a sack, and two tackles for losses. Um, you know, he was all over the place hitting hard. So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't – things weren't just handed to this Clemson offense. They had to work for it. But, man, just, you know, with the talent on the field and the game planning, uh, they were able to overcome uh, how good of a defense Ohio State was. Right. And, uh, you know, credit credit to the defensive line for Ohio State. I looked at um, how they were – between them and, like you said, Raquan McMillan, they were able to quickly stuff that run game. We kept going to it for balance. But uh, but in, eventually uh, we started getting things on the outside. Great you know great play calling by by Tony Elliott. And then at, there at the end they finally started to wear down. We were able to incorporate a little bit of pace. Um, we could we could see that they were on their heels. And uh, you saw you saw Deshaun Watson with with some runs, very efficient in his yardage. Uh, not not explosive, not Lamar Jackson, but knowing what to do. Uh, and when to do it. And then, of course, Wayne Gallman finally started to get a few runs as well. Um, I, I think there was a third and 19, if you recall, in the, in the, in the uh, third quarter. Uh, we were just going to be conservative, and uh, we were in their territory. And he ran over, I think, three Ohio State players for, on the way to, for the first down. Uh, just uh, he, He's improving his NFL stock as well. What, what a game. Uh, maybe one last comment on Wayne Gallman. A lot of what uh, they were doing, sending a lot of pressure and blitzes, um, Wayne Gallman was having to really take on some blocks, and he had to be very focused. If you would have put some guy out there that hadn't probably watched a ton of film, it could have been Deshaun Watson could have gotten blown up. Um, so just kudos to Wayne Gallman on so many different levels, and including the ones that you won't hear about, which that don't exist in the stat column. Well, and that's that's one of the things that gets lost in all of this when it comes to Wayne Gallman is that there's a reason why a lot of these other backs that Clemson has haven't played a lot this year, and it's just what Wayne can do from a blocking standpoint, the way he's willing to sacrifice his body to protect Deshaun Watson. Um, and again, he doesn't get enough credit for that, um, but you, you saw it in this game for sure. Um, the, the last thing I'll say, um, you know, one other thing that I was really uh, encouraged to see in the game planning was getting C.J. Fuller involved in the passing game. I mean, what a fantastic catch he had on that wheel route uh, for a TD. So, the more dynamic this offense can be and the more they can involve all these different playmakers, it is impossible to game plan for all of them, the better off that they're going to fare ultimately against this Alabama defense. Right. Very, very dynamic. And nothing nothing was forced. It, it seemed to be uh, – and sometimes it seems like we have this, this play call, this script we have going into the game, and uh, it seemed like we were attacking the little nooks and crannies that we could find in their defense. They're, they're long, they're athletic, they cover a lot of ground, but we found little seams and little, again, just little openings. Wherever the defense was giving us some yards, we were taking it, and we were using our, our plethora of dynamic playmakers to find those yards. Um, we got to give some credit to the offensive line, though. I think they were very disciplined. It was really tough getting a push in that game. Uh, Ohio State's interior line, their, their whole defensive line is really, really good. 
and uh, it, we couldn't get a ton of yardage uh, up the middle, but our pass protection, I thought, was, was for the most part, was really solid uh, in terms of just assignment. You know, you don't have to you don't have to blow the guy off the ball, but protect Deshaun. That's that's you know goal number one, priority number one. Um, and eventually, eventually, started to wear them down. But I thought it was a, again a total team effort. Guys looking, uh, finding their assignment, hat on a hat, much like what you saw against Alabama and Oklahoma last year. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough challenge against Alabama this year. Um, but you know we we we've got the the tools. A great sign. We saw Ankrum and John Simpson getting some playing time. Scott Pollard, three true freshmen, um, getting reps, and and they'll I think they'll have a few guys they can they can rotate in if they need to. If it's injury, if it's fatigue, um, they they can they can go to a few backups that we feel confident in. Yeah. So the last thing I want to touch on here on the offense, you know, one of the concerning things that you know has been an issue all year long is the interceptions. You know, they really weren't that critical in this game. Obviously the one on the Clemson second play of the game where Mike Williams fell down, you know, I think if Mike Williams stays on his feet, that that ball's still intercepted. Um, and then the one later uh, in the game where essentially acted as a punt. So uh, no harm, no foul, as far as I'm concerned on that one. But, you know, again, these are the things we did win the Trover battle against Ohio state three to two, which was one of our keys coming into the game. Um, but again, is you take the next step and you, you play even better competition, every little miscue, every little mistake is, uh, going to be magnified. So we, we really, Deshaun needs to try to avoid, uh, these critical or any critical interceptions. Again, I don't think they're critical in this game, but you know, again, everything gets magnified when you're playing better competition. Yeah. You know, I, I think Herb Street, a lot of people said that first interception will be, uh, you know, it would have been intercepted regardless if, if Mike Williams would, had not fallen. And I tend to, you know, I don't know. I, I think that's one of those 50-50 balls that maybe uh, the Ohio State player undercut the route. But um, they even said it during the game. Uh, you got to give your, your guys a chance at those 50-50 balls, and sometimes they're going to lose it. And against a team like Ohio State, who has a better secondary than Alabama will have, um, you know, you got to give – you got to throw the ball up for Mike Williams sometimes and let him make the play. Uh, and if he if he does stay on his feet, I don't know. I think Michael Williams six three, the wingspan that he has, the strength that he has, I think maybe he does get to that guy and at least knocks it down. So I I, I don't know for certain that that would have been intercepted. And then the, yeah, like you said, the, the play in the end zone, Malik Hooker, that was an just unbelievable catch. That like I can probably count on one hand the number of safeties that would have made that pick. And as you said, it wasn't overall, you know, it wasn't a huge play and it, it acted as a punt. So. Um, I agree. You got to sharpen some of those things, but for the most part, if you look at the stat line, it, it says two interceptions. But Watson's decision making uh, through and through, with all the reads he had to make, I mean, God, it was it was just uh, one for the ages in terms of what he was able to do, the accuracy, you know, hitting receivers in stride, um, just just tremendous. And I think we we tend to take it for granted, but Ohio State's defense was really stinking good, and uh, and. Deshaun Watson capitalized, I think, for the most part. Yeah, I think I think um, obviously a very good test leading up into the Alabama game. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people thought you know Washington coming into their game against them was going to be a different type of offense than Alabama would uh, would have seen all year long, and that they were going to challenge them a little bit. But you know, I think there's a difference between Washington and Clemson. I think Clemson's more battle tested, especially in the trenches. Um, and that they're going to be able to withstand Alabama's defense a lot better than a team like Washington, who doesn't play against, honestly, the same type of defenses 
um, out there in the Pac-12. Um, so one last thing before we wrap up um, the, the recap of the Fiesta Bowl. You know, I, I think another big positive in the game planning that I saw uh, on special teams, the rugby-style punt from Andy Teasdall. How successful was that? He probably had his best average of the year. It was up over 40 um, yards of punt, I believe. He had a long of uh, 67 uh, on the one that went bouncing down there towards the goal line. So, yeah, I, I think tremendous call. Uh, to move to that rugby-style punt. It kind of makes me question why that didn't happen earlier in the year. Yeah, you, you saw the Washington kicker. He was doing a rugby-style punt, and it was very effective. And I think that was one of the reasons that uh, they were able to keep it a you know, a somewhat reasonable, reasonably close game. And I, you know, they were getting some crazy chart yardage in terms of that uh, with that rugby-style punt. Yeah, and it looked really good for Teasdale. Um, you're going you're gonna to need that. You know, we talk about it. It becomes a very boring narrative, but it does come down to field position. Um, you know, <laughs> those, those types of special teams plays that will win or lose you a game against a team like Alabama. I think Clemson fans are fully aware of that. Yeah, field position. It's going to be a big, you know, in a game like that against a team like that, it's going to be a big part of the game. So, you know, we saw it last year. You have to be solid in all three phases of the game. Uh, to be a national champion. Uh, so again, that little added wrinkle, um, I think is going to make a big difference ultimately. Um, the other thing uh, that is a bit concerning, Hugel's not getting his balls uh, into the end zone like he was earlier this year. I was hoping with some time off uh, uh, in December to let his leg rest that we were going to start to see a return to form. Um, but they have been falling uh, quite a bit short of the goal line, and Clemson gave up some big returns, uh, bigger returns than normal early on in this game. So that's something that you can't just give up seven free points to Alabama. We know how much you know their defense scores almost more than their offense. Uh, you can't afford to be giving up points on special teams or even field position on special teams. So you know I, I still have confidence. It's not the weak link uh, that it was last year. So I still have confidence in the special teams, especially uh, kick coverage unit, but. We need to keep an eye on that because, again, you can't you can't just give points away for free to, to the Crimson Tide. OK, so that wraps us up here for the uh, for Clemson's uh, 31 to nothing victory over Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl. Again, uh, just a total dominating performance and one that lets you know that, that Clemson is there. Last year wasn't a fluke. Being back this year isn't a fluke. This is one of clearly one of the two best teams in college football. And honestly, from what we've seen on the field, it's not even close right now. Um, so really excited to see what uh, the national championship game has in store against Alabama. You know, I, if I'm a Clemson fan, I'm not worried at all. You know, we've been there last year. We know we can play with them. We just annihilated Ohio State. Let's get ready. Let's go in there and take care of business. Um, so Clemson is not the only ACC team that's been having success, uh, you know, in the Bulls this year. You know, what a statement by the ACC. They're eight and three overall in bowl games this year and they could very well have been nine and two you know Pitt's quarterback and running back gets taken out of their game against uh, and their loss to Northwestern but you know overall I never saw this coming you know uh, of the ACC doing this well um, you know they beat some ranked teams in Temple West Virginia and Michigan um, you know there were some bad losses Louisville's loss to LSU did not look good um, but you know overall you know, the ACC has to be pretty proud of themselves and they can actually make a, you know, if you look at the numbers and the metrics and who they've won of actually beating people on the field, you can make an argument for them being the best conference in the country right now. And that is shocking to me. I never would have thought that. 
Yeah, it's it's been a great bowl season. I, I mean, I'm I'm not surprised. I think what we've seen from the ACC this year is is much improved over previous years. Nationally, though, it's it, you saw you see it with Clemson. You know, we're finally at the elite level. I say finally. We probably we've probably been here for at least a year now. And I think you, you still it still takes a lot of guys, a lot of national guys. You know, a year, sometimes two, even three years, uh, for the for the laggards to adjust to realize. Oh yeah, I guess Clemson is. You know, they are an elite team. They are on that national level. And uh, it's same for same for conferences. And I still think people are having a, t- a tough time adjusting. For one, I think SEC probably gets a little bit more credit than um, than it should. At least this year, I, you know, I think the SEC will be just fine over the. The long haul, but they're definitely not that good this year. Alabama gets credit for beating teams like Tennessee and uh, Texas, uh, Texas A&M, and uh, and a few others, and even uh, USC. But you know, focusing on the SEC, they get credit for beating teams that just aren't that good. And Clemson doesn't get credit for beating teams that are a little bit better than I think most people thought. So um, it's not the it's not the ACC SEC of two thousand and what nine uh, times are a, a bit different. There's a lot more parity, um, and it, it it doesn't tell you all that much. I don't think, I, but I just think I think it says that you know that that game against NC State. You know, that's a that's a good team. Even Pitt I think is a, a good team, um, and a lot more parity across the just across college football altogether. Yeah, absolutely. And it makes you take a step back after seeing what the ACC has done in bowl play and look at Clemson's schedule and be like, wow, well, you know, maybe these close games against some of these teams that we thought we should blow out, maybe the wins weren't that bad. I mean, look at Boston College. They put up 36 points on Maryland. When is, I mean, I don't know if Boston College cumulatively has put up 36 points all year. Um, NC State blew out Vanderbilt. Wake Forest beat a ranked and conference winner in, in Temple. Uh, you know, Miami beat a ranked West Virginia team. Um, so all across the board, um, FSU beating Michigan. So, you know, obviously uh, <clears throat> you can talk all you want um, about the storied history of a conference and the programs there. But the, listen, the bottom line, the SEC is six and six in bowl games right now. The Big Ten is three and seven. So much for them being the best conference. The ACC is eight and three. And if Clemson should go on to win the national championship over Alabama, I think uh, it's clear the ACC is the best uh, conference in college football. You look at some of the defenses we faced this year, and uh, and I think Tully, um, you know, our host when he did the pod extravaganza, he said uh, he asked the Bama guy, "What's your favorite win over a top twenty defense?" And uh, just as a joke, because they don't have a win over a top twenty defense, um, so it, or maybe it's you know I could be completely wrong there. That might be top twenty offense. I believe it is top twenty offense. So um, the point being, you know, that they, they we say, you know, you haven't faced a, an offense like us. Well, they really haven't faced an offense like us. And uh, and that that goes to show the big the SEC has had a down year. And um, not to say that Alabama won't be up for the task because, you know, everything checks out on on uh, on film. Uh, but it is to say that, that we're going to throw them a few things they just haven't seen all year. And again, you just can't simulate these things in practice. I'm sorry, Jalen. Jalen Hurts, you can do your best Deshaun Watson impression, uh, but you're but you're not Deshaun Watson. And uh, it, I, I think I I feel confident. I guess uh, in terms of the 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 morale, the confidence going into the national championship game, it's it's got to be at an all time high. Yeah, I think so. And make no mistake about it, the SEC may be a down conference, but Alabama is not a down football team. They're still an elite program. Uh, but Clemson has to be feeling really good about themselves. So I think this team is battle tested. 
they have all the confidence in the world. They have uh, um, they had the experience. They were there last year. They've won multiple championship games. I mean, well, championship games in the ACC, division titles, um, college football playoff games, BCS games. This program has in the last several years, so they're ready for it. And I think it's going to be a just a really compelling matchup to watch in this national t- championship game. And I think you're starting to see that. Uh, trickle down throughout the college football landscape and all the pundits out there because everybody's not going with Alabama like maybe they did last year or they would normally do like it's it's starting to be you're starting to see a split and you're starting to see people believe in this Clemson team and uh, honestly Clemson's picking up I mean the what they're doing with their brand um, on this run they're picking up a lot of kind of fringe fans um, in the national media and guys that are really talking highly about them Um, so again you know, and that's not to say Clemson's going to run away with this game. It, it's going to be a tough game, and Alabama could very well win. But it's not because Clemson's not as good or not as, as talented, because they are. Yeah, absolutely. And it, if you hear the media narratives, you, you would you'd almost think, wow, this is David versus Goliath. And if anybody, including a lot of the national pundits who, who want to frame it as such, it, it lets you know how you know how off base they are, how how they have no idea, how they haven't watched uh, Clemson play. Uh, and, and, and Herb Street said it. And man, Kirk Herb Street is, I think, one of the best. And it has nothing to do with the credit he gives to Clemson. It's how much he knows about football and how much he can dissect film and see. He can see talent on film. He can see what's happening. And he, he says that Clemson is, is the most balanced team. and um, the mo- I'm sorry, he said the most complete team. And, uh, and how can you disagree with that? You saw the flaws that Alabama has um, in terms of their quarterback passing run, uh, similar to JT Barrett. And I mean, Clemson has it all. You know, it doesn't for for um, for the for the national landscape. I think Clemson is a team. If you want to think of it as David and Goliath, um, they're a team that you can definitely um, you can definitely jump on the bandwagon and you know shock the world. But for us as Clemson fans, have been keeping up with this team knowing the chip on their shoulder, knowing the talent at almost every position, it will come as no surprise if we are to beat Bama. Yeah, absolutely not. And guess what? It's looking good for the future, too. This isn't, again, I said it before, this isn't going to be two years and out. This this Clemson team's around to stay. Um, so that that wraps it up for our look at uh, bowl play. Always an interesting time of season and interesting to, to see how well the ACC has been doing. Uh, again, I think a lot of us haven't seen this coming, but I think it really goes back to it's not just about conference, about the coaches in this conference. And uh, that has been a major upgrade over the last couple of years. And I think you're starting to see the fruits of that um, uh, come to the center um, and being represented by all these wins they're having in the bowl game. So. Again, upgrading coaching, uh, upgrading talent, and you're looking at a better football conference, and that's really exciting to see because I like it when Clemson plays better competition. Um, so, yeah, that wraps it up for, uh, for the bowl play. A couple more Clemson notes here before we close out today. Uh, a big shocker, uh, Xavier McKinney actually committed to Alabama. A lot of people thought that, that Clemson had a lock on this guy after he decommitted from Alabama earlier in the year. But uh, Cody, uh, any insight as to why he chose Alabama again? Yeah, I think I think we're still trying to process it. Uh, I think for one, we were we didn't get the in home. Uh, Saban and I believe Pruitt uh, were able to go see uh, McKinney in home, and they really they stuck it all out, put it all on the line, and we were uh, we were holding off for Dabo to go visit him. It never happened. This was a guy that we thought was a Clemson lean. We felt really good about, and. Um, it, Alabama kind of swooped in, 
uh, all hands on deck and was able to take him away from us. This is an exceptional uh, athlete at the safety position and, and a big loss. And for us, there's not there's not a replacement. And you can't I mean you can't go from a top fifty guy uh, in the last minute and and find another top fifty guy. It's just uh, it's hard to find. So. Uh, I think this is a. I think it's a big loss because this guy was going to offer just a level of athleticism at the safety position, probably close to uh, as game ready as a freshman at the safety position as you can be. So um, you know we'll we'll make do. Uh, it's just yeah. He, there's certain guys, and you see it during bowl season as you're watching these elites play, as you're seeing Clemson and Alabama and and even Washington and High State. And there's cer- certain guys you just can't teach what they offer, and McKinney is one of those guys. So. Um, big loss. Uh, we'll, we'll see how things pers- uh, how things go from here, but um, I don't. Unfortunately, I don't think there's anyone in line after McKinney. Well, and he wasn't the only big loss for a Clemson uh, uh, running back commit out of Memphis, Cordarian Richardson. Um, also, uh, he decommitted from Clemson uh, within the past couple weeks. So, you know, I'm not sure there's another running back on the board that Clemson has to replace him, especially with the big type of bruising back that he was. So, again. Uh, Interesting that these things are coming at this time for Clemson, considering how well they're doing on the on the field. Right, uh, and you know nothing, uh, you know nothing. I think within their control, and, and uh, with regard to Cordarian Richardson, uh, a, a thing where I think the high school coaches really let the players down. They did some. It was kind of a, a scandal, and uh, looks like uh, Richardson may not even qualify now. Um, he might may have to go to JUCO. So. Um, Big loss because he was that big bruising back. I think he really fit uh, fit a need. Uh, Richards or uh, Tavian Feaster will be a guy we'll fall on in the future, or that we'll rely on in the future. And then you you bring it. Look at 2018. Uh, I think we're going to have a really uh, stud running back coming from that class, if not two. Um, he was going to be that nice complement to to the big uh, to the to the fast back. He's going to be the big bruising back, and really not anybody in line. Uh, Darian Fe- uh, Felix. Who, uh, a four-star out of Florida, is much more like a scat back, uh, a smaller guy. Um, not to say that we, you know, he won't be useful, can't be a good player for us, but not necessarily the player that we needed, not the skill set that we needed. So um, I think that's, a, that's another big loss. Well, we'll see how things uh, continue to go moving forward. Obviously, Clemson uh, pulled a lot of guys last year at the last minute um, before National Signing Day. So let's see what a national championship run does uh, for this team this year. Um, again, uh, but for the most part, I think, uh, they're well built to sustain a couple losses here and there. Um, before we wrap the show here today, guys, we'd be remiss not to talk about how well Clemson basketball is doing. They're 11 and two on the year. They're one and oh now in ACC play. They're coming off a week where they saw an 87 to 73 win over UNC Wilmington, who was a pretty good basketball team and playing uh, pretty well this year. They had five guys in double figures in that game, uh, led by John Blossom game and his 20 points. Elijah Thomas, a great game, 12 points and five blocks. Um, really good to see him start to develop. And then an even bigger win. Clemson goes on the road to, to open the ACC play against Wake Forest. They win 73-68. Um, they were behind pretty much the whole game long. They were down by 10, 68-58 uh, with a few minutes left to go in that game. But they go on a 15-0 run to end it. Uh, Marquise Reed, Dante Grantham carried the team there at the end. Uh, Reed, 21 points. Grantham, 11 points, 10 rebounds. A really good game from him. And there's Thomas again in the scoring column with eight. So, you know, what more can you say about this basketball team? I, I think expectations are really high, and they're meeting them so far. 
a road win in the ACC is gold. It's almost like we're two or three home wins. So really good to see them uh, pull that one out, especially heading into North Carolina, um, playing them in Little John tonight. Um, Cody, you know, as much uh, hype we have going on in football season right now, you know, we're immediately going to turn to look into basketball. And this team is poised, poised to make a, get it into the NCAA tournament and make a pretty good run. It's, it's nice to see uh, the basketball team doing so well. And it, it, as soon as football season concludes, we can turn to basketball and do it with a, a sort of optimism that we haven't been able to really have in, in quite some time. So, um, yeah, the, the basketball team is looking really good. I'm excited about Elijah Thomas. Uh, Blossom game, as you said, kind of getting back on the right track after uh, you know a slow start, at least by his standards. Uh, it's it's be looking more like a complete team, which is something I don't think we've had in a while uh, in terms of perimeter players uh, scoring, inside presence, and uh, yeah, it, it'll be it'll be something to follow. Um, definitely going to keep track of the UNC game tonight, uh, but I got to say my heart is uh, completely on football right now, so I'm having a hard time switching gears. But that's just me. That's how my well, fandom well, works. Well, you know, I think a lot of Clemson fans are that way. But, you know, as students on the campus, I think they're key to this game. And I think you're going to see a raucous little John Coliseum. When it's filled, it is, you know, and multiple announcers have said this, it's one of the hardest places to play in, in college basketball. And that just, that's a testament to the Clemson uh, fan base, the Clemson students. It's the same way they do it in football, make it a hard place to play. It, it translates into basketball for the big games. And when this team is playing really well, you're going to see the fan base really get behind them. So, listen. This is a Clemson basketball team that was undefeated in December. When was the last time that happened? Um, this team has multiple scoring th threats that when one guy's off, that doesn't mean we go on like a 10-minute a, a drought. There's always somebody on the floor that can carry the team. You saw that at the end of the Wake Forest game. Uh, they're showing us that they know how to win, and that's what we've been talking about in football for so many years. Now the basketball team is doing it. So really excited. We'll be looking forward to this game against uh, the Tar Heels uh, tonight and hey, maybe we'll finally get ranked if we uh, if we beat them. We were one spot out in the AP poll uh, this week. Um, well, folks, that's all the time we have for you today. We'll be back at you in a couple of days as Tully and Cody will actually preview the matchup against Alabama in the national championship game. I will be at my bachelor party in New Orleans en route to Tampa, where I look forward to seeing all of you, uh, all of the Clemson Tiger family there. Fingers crossed, I make it out of this alive. Um, if you're traveling to the game, be safe. Have fun and yell loud. And as always, go Tigers. What I told him tonight was, listen, we give you scholarships. We give you, uh, you know, stipends and meals and a place to live. We give you nice uniforms. I can't give you guts and I can't give you heart. And tonight, hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart. And they